I don't even know what I wrote. I just like send it to my boss. I'm like, here, it's like <laughs> word vomit, fix it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm sure it was fantastic. You're smart. And I like your sweater. Um, um, so how was your week? Like what's, so we just came off of Thanksgiving. <laughs> We did. Uh, so we went to my aunt's house in Salt Lake, which um, was nice. The kids got to like run around and see like my grandpa, um, cousins, aunts, uncles, all that fun stuff. Um, but it did leave lead to like a pretty big date fail once I got back. Uh, it's like first night we're there and my aunt's like, oh, what can I get you guys for dinner? And it's the night before Thanksgiving. And I'm like, you're gonna have to cook your guts out tomorrow. Let me just door dash some Papa Murphy's. What's your address? Yeah. And I don't think anything of it. Um, and then I get back from Thanksgiving and the kids go back with their dad. And I'm on a date with this guy I've been seeing who we've yet to give a nickname to. Um, and things are going like better than anticipated. And like, long story short, it's like 11 o'clock at night and I'm frantically trying to door dash condoms to my house. Uh, but in all of my eagerness, I didn't double check the address. And so I inadvertently sent condoms to my aunt's house in the middle of the night. Oh um, my so that was fun. That was a fun phone conversation the next day. <laughs> <laughs> what did she say? Was she like, they're mine now. I'll put these to use. Uh, well, she did say that she was going to give them to her son so they wouldn't go to waste. But that was after she laughed for like a solid four to five minutes. So it, got, it could have gone so many other ways. Like, thank goodness right. the aunt with a sense of humor um, <laughs> and who's like not overly religious or anything. Right. <laughs> uh, how was your That's Thanksgiving? Awesome. Oh, um, just a lot of eating, drinking. We went to um, California for, to see the in-laws and went to the beach. Pretty low key. Kids oh, yeah. Fun. I did see your Instagram and like Archer got to go in the water even. Yeah. Was it loves... like freezing and he just toughed it out or was it like actually warm? No, he just had his feet in there. It wasn't uh, terribly cold. It felt nice. It was warm. It was hot there. I mean, it's hot here. It's It was hot. Yeah, it was like um, 85 yesterday. Yeah, it was ridiculous. So um, yeah, I was scared of the water. But yeah, we just walked along the beach and went home and ate. That's about it. And fly, we flew, which was nice because driving sucks with kids, as you know. Yes. Uh, and so we're coming up on Christmas. And now I know we both have Elf on the Shelf, which I like ew. kick myself every year for doing. You know, what's funny is I never wanted to do it. Like from the very beginning, I was like, this seems dumb and annoying and I'm not doing it. And so then in typical Robin fashion, my mom gifted us an elf on the shelf um, when Everly was a baby and I like got suckered in. Yeah, she's like, fuck it. I don't have to do it. Here you go. Have fun. Yeah. Like basically it's like how, like when she's like getting them all the like slime that they ruined all my furniture with and everything after I specifically said like, please don't get them slime. Yeah. No, wait, Everly corrected me because the last batch that she ruined her carpet with. That was not slime. That was putty. Oh, <laughs> totally. <get it> right. <laughs> She'll be good in debate. Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. I remember when she was like three, I think. And I'm raising my voice, trying to get her into the car. And I'm like, Everly now. And I go, and she goes, well, I didn't hear you. I said, you were standing three feet away from me and making eye contact. And she's like, but I listen with my ears. <laughs> um yeah something like that but yeah so what's your elf on the shelf what is is it a he or her it's a he uh well the first one we had do decapitated 
So we had to make up some story. I can't even remember what we did, but we got a new one. And this one, I think he named it first. It was snowball. He named it last year, but now Archer's like changing the name. And now this year it's like, he named it candy cane. Um, so yeah, I woke up at like three in the morning this morning frantic. So I was like, I don't think I did anything with the elf. And so I quickly like put it on Isla's, um, little, you know, potty mm-hmm. and then like cut up a Tootsie roll and put it in there. <laughs> That's awesome. And the but, kids like, probably loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it's fun seeing the kids. Cause like every morning Archer like wakes up. It's like, I gotta go see what like candy cane did. Yeah. Um, What's the best one that you've done so far? I don't, I, I honestly cannot even remember the ones I've done. I know one year I had him cut up snowflakes. Um, one year, I think he made like a snow angel and sprinkles. Uh, I can't really even remember the other ones. The like our biggest hit, we had like two big hits last year. Um, and like one, I set it up. So like it's sitting next to a Mason jar against a whiteboard. And it says, I farted, want to smell with an arrow pointing to the jar. And I put like a couple drops of peppermint essential oil in the bottom. <gasps> oh, that's a good uh, one. And the kids like thought it was hilarious, but like the peppermint oil smell would not come out of the jar, no matter how many times we washed it. And they're like, there's still elf farts in here. <laughs> um, and then the other one is I took the elf and our elf's name, her name is Frisbee. Uh, I, my clean crock pot, I filled full of cotton balls and Barbie dolls. And then I put little rubber duckies on top. Like they were having a hot tub party. That's cute too. Um, But other than that, yeah, we do a lot of like, oh, look, she put some candy canes on the tree (laughs) or like, yeah. Like always like falling asleep. I'm like, oh shit. Well, my sister did one and this like freaked Archer out. Like I was explaining about the elf, but like years ago, she like painted, she had the elf paint her son's fingernails and one time like put makeup on him while he was sleeping. And so like, when I told Archer that he like freaked out, it was like, I can't have somebody in here doing mean things to me at night. You know, <laughs> I was like, don't worry, hands to yourself, elf. He can't touch you. Yeah. 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 Like each elf is assigned based on your preferences. It's fine. right. 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 Santa wouldn't make yeah. mistakes like that. Uh, we like this time. So first day Frisbee comes, I always just do an advent calendar so that I read like this funny tweet. It's like, so kids can microdose on Christmas, Um, (laughs) but so advent calendar, but like with it, this was like new record, like within three minutes, Everly had already touched the elf. (laughs) Oh God. So yeah, you, so Archer, it was funny because you told me that about and I know they're not supposed to touch them. Uh, and then Archer asked me about that yesterday. He was like, I accidentally touched him like three times. I was like, oh God, we got to get cinnamon. Cause then I did your whole cinnamon thing. Um, and so we had to do that again this morning, but. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, cinnamon. And I used to, I didn't, cause we were in a hurry when it happened. Um, what day did I take them to school? I guess it would have been yesterday morning. Um, we were like in a hurry. We we're going to be late for school. Normally I make, I really like, I usually make them write like an apology letter <laughs> to yeah. take Santa and the whole thing. Yeah. But I'm like, just explain to the elf how sorry you are. And I'll give her the cinnamon stick so we can go to school. <laughs> yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. So like discipline, I had to put Archer in a timeout <clears throat> and I know you have timeout stories too the other day. And, um, then I found a note he wrote while he was in timeout and it says, no hate you mom and dad xoxo and I was like oh you almost made you feel bad for putting them in a timeout but it was like oh that's cool you're like don't have the grudge gene that I have yeah um we've had to like switch the way timeouts work because like Rowan is so like defiant and like bullheaded that when it was like you're going to a timeout as a punishment for like a predetermined amount of time it was like 
him screaming and me having to hold his door closed or like, it, like him running yeah. for me. And so like, we've switched it to more like, go to your room and collect yourself. And then I will come in and talk to you as opposed to like yeah. formal timeout. I don't know. That's what Archer, that's what his timeout is. You have to go to your room. No iPad, nothing. Just go sit in your room. Yeah. Um, I love we've had you calm down. Yeah. We, same thing with Isla. We've had to lock her, not lock her, but you know, hold the door shut because yeah. she tries to come out. Um, but the, she yeah. did the best doing when they were little, like Isla's age. And I didn't get around to doing it, but where they have the timeout chairs with like the little timer attached, like, oh. blew a t- an egg timer on it. Um, just so that it's like, they know when it's, and it becomes like more official, I guess, than just being in your room and not associating being in your room with punishment. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Maybe food for thought, but I feel like, yeah, when they're littler, like it's what else are you going to, you're not going to reason <laughs> with a two-year-old. She did the most epic temper tantrum the other day. I don't know if I told you, but I think she, oh, I gave her, she wanted a granola bar. So I got her a granola bar and she was mad because it kind of was like cracked, you oh, know, yeah. it wasn't perfect form. So she was pissed mm-hmm. and she threw it across the room and I grabbed it. I said, no, I like, you know, and I picked her up and I was like, here, and you could eat it. And she like took it and she took a big bite out of it. Mm-hmm. And then she chucked the, it and then spit it out across the room. <laughs> wow. Dying. Wow. I mean, she's, it was, it was like a animal. It was like, what <laughs> is going on? Uh, it wasn't good enough just to throw it. She had to bite some of it, chew some of it and spit it. Extra dramatic and make sure she's yeah. going across. I mean, like she is really good at the non-verbals. I will say. Yes. <laughs> you always know what mood she's in. Yes. Oh my gosh. Uh yeah, you're gonna that's gonna be um she I, is well, my Everly. Well, but like I feel like she's like more hardcore than Everly. I mean, we'll find out. Like we were talking about, you've got birthday party this weekend and you invited some of Isla's friends. And so yeah, I feel like the first time you see them interact with peers as opposed to kids who are different ages, it's right. like really compelling. Cause I always assumed like Everly was gonna be like the bossy, whatever. But when she gets around kids who are older than her or her age. She's like a lot more go with the flow. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be fun to see because I was really surprised. Even we have a friend that has a daughter, Isla's age. And when we go to play dates, like Isla's the caretaker of her. And I was like, wow, you're being like nice and gentle with somebody. Cause like, every time I'm going to play date, I'm like, and she'll say it to me. I'm like, no hitting, no biting, no head butting, no clotheslining, no pinching. <laughs> um, because she like clotheslined this girl one time, but now she's like, you know, she's like, are you okay? Like it's, yeah. it's kind of cute. Yeah. Well, I think it's like cool how kids are aware of like, I mean, even like I mean, I don't know if you've seen Isla, but like when my kids were around Isla's age and they would see like an infant infant, they would, it's like, they knew to be like gentle and like, yeah. Yeah. She's always like, baby. Yeah. Yeah. I have that instinct. Yeah. We had to say hi to every baby we saw in the airport. Yeah. (laughs) When we heard back and forth between Salt Lake. Okay. Yeah. I went to this writer's, uh, workshop thing in Italy years ago and there was another, uh, I went with like a group and there was another group there for something else. And this woman in the group, one of the women was alarmingly thin. Like, I mean, you could just tell she, she was probably most likely anorexic yeah. and like would never eat. And would just like, we always had wine at lunch or dinner and she would always have, she would have a glass of wine, but like, you know, we just started a few of us were like, Whoa, one of the girl women in my group, uh, I keep getting phone calls. One of the women in my group, um, asked her about it. And we were like, you should not fucking ask somebody if they're anorexic. <laughs> like, yeah. And the woman, um, she was like, yeah, you know, I, I do have this eating problem, whatever. And like, 
had been in therapy for it and stuff like that. But I was like, she was a lot nicer. I would have like, that's none of your business. woman. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, and then like, I would feel so bad too, if it turned out, like I've had family members that like they're undergoing cancer treatments or they've got like other shit going on that makes them like super, super emaciated. But like, like to, I don't know, like I just, that goes right along. The I never want to like, don't ask. Don't ask. For, oh, go ahead. You don't ask somebody if they're pregnant. I mean, it's like the same type of thing. That, although that was my favorite thing when like, I was like super, like obviously pregnant and people would be like, when's the baby due? And I'd be like, what baby? Like, <laughs> I know, but you're fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I told you about the time I had the breast pump delivered. Right. Have I told oh, you the story. Uh, this was like the last time I'll ever. So, uh, like just any expectant mothers out there, if you think you're going to want to pump, like don't even bother like buying the one from the store, they're garbage, get like the big industrial one you can rent. Um, and some places will even deliver it to you. So the day after, um, I took Rowan home, he's asleep upstairs. Everly's napping upstairs. The man knocks on the door to deliver my breast pump. And he asks like, so like how old's the baby? And this was the last time I'm ever going to be able to use that line. I looked at him right in the eye and I said, what baby? <laughs> what did he say? Uh, he just got like really awkward and laughed, but it was so entertaining. Yeah. The only thing that would have made that better would be like, if I had been a man <laughs> answering yeah. people and saying, what baby? <laughs> yeah. You're like, I just have this fetish. Yeah. Could you like, on one of these? Megan, we've been taking our sweet ass time with this episode. Uh, <laughs> hey, of, like, it's been the holidays and a pandemic. So I don't feel bad. Yeah, no, 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 like no apologies. But uh, like a few weeks ago, I ended up, uh, we have a guest on this episode, Kelly Nelson, and you, I think you were dealing with a sick kid, so you weren't able to join us, but right. she's, uh, she's going to talk to us about like really, so she has uh, three daughters all conceived via IVF. Um, and so she's got like some really, really cool insights into motherhood in general, but you know, some Yeah, aren't two of the daughter. Doesn't she have a set of twins within those three? Yeah. So like at one point she had like three under three. So um, we're going to yes, roll. And thank you. Thank you for taking the lead on that and uh, interviewing her. No, she's amazing. So we're going to roll into that. Um, and yeah, you get to hear what Kelly has to say. I think you'll like yeah, it. Yeah, I'm excited. Before we get into everything. Recording gotcha. progress. Um, how have you been, Kelly? I am okay. I'm cold. Um, I'm in Wisconsin and I'm also in my basement, which, uh, is not the warmest place in my house. I'm all cuddled up under my blanket. I'm a little bit jealous that you're like audio. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I'm pretty good. I'm kind of feeling the stress of Christmas coming up. I'm realizing that all the magic of Christmas as a child was created by the emotional labor of our mothers. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, so let me back up for a second. I mean, so we met once, I think like 10 years ago at a work thing, a long time and ago. I've just yep. been creepily stalking you on social media <laughs> ever since. And you now have three daughters. Did Audrey yep. turn three yet? She turned four. Yep. She turned four. But like at one point you had like three under three, right? Yeah. Just a whole lot of babies. Yep. So Audrey was, had just turned two when we had twins on December 23rd, uh, 2019. So almost Christmas babies. So oh we God, had like Christmas on top of birthday pressure. 
Yes. And twin birthday, which is like already, oh, sorry, you have to share everything for the rest of your life. (laughs) Range. Um, Well, another reason that I was really, really excited to have you uh, on the podcast, aside from you just being like hilarious and your daughters being adorable, is that you also um, conceived, uh, I know the twins, were all of your kids conceived with IVF? Yep. Yep. All three. Yep. Yeah. And like, I feel like that's something, um, I mean, I may know somebody like firsthand, but if I do, I don't know, like, I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't like when you were going through it, like, did you share that openly with people that you were going through IVF or was it like, you guys just kept it cards close to your chest? Like we did share. Um, so, um, it was, that was one of the hard things because, you know, you're going through this like intense, overwhelming medical situation. And if you need, you want to bring others in so they can support you. But then what we found is that people really wanted to be constantly updated. And so we were the people going through this really hard thing. And then people were like, Oh, do you have an appointment today? What did they say? When are you taking a pregnancy test? You know? And so then that was like, very unhelpful. <laughs> like I can't, I just, um, like not even friends who have gone through IVF, but like just friends who like, and maybe took them a while to conceive, like, mm-hmm. um, having all of those same questions and everything I know, like made them so much more stressed out, which isn't helpful <laughs> like at all when you're trying to conceive a kid. Um, so I can't even imagine like the extra, like where people like, aside from just like wanting way too many updates, were they like, did you get any other like weird and sensitive, Yeah. And, you know, like many things in life, it took me going through this to realize the things I said, you know, years ago that I would now never say, which is like the minute, you know, someone gets married, you're like, when are you going to start having babies? Yeah. Now I'm like, that is like really not an okay question for a lot of reasons but I just you get now because like with three girls you have everyone like oh so are you gonna try for a boy like yeah no people don't ask that I think people like people in my life understand that like we did a lot of things and like we're not doing them anymore um so no but um I think that the the other thing that people do in general when people are struggling with infertility is they try to like kind of have toxic positivity like oh well you know I know someone who tried to get pregnant for five years and then she did and then she had triplets or you know just have you tried eating pineapple or you know my cousin started taking these vitamins and then she got pregnant and it's really invalidating because it's like yeah obviously you've tried everything yeah. and, and it's like, I like, you know, I feel like kind of an imposter now because people see me and think, okay, you're this family and you have three kids, you've got a million kids. But for years we were, you know, trying to get pregnant and, and I would look at people who like, who are like me now and just think they, even if they struggled with fertility issues, they don't get it because it worked out for them. And like, it did work out for us because it doesn't work out for everyone. And I think that's one of the, um, the big misconceptions I had. And then a lot of people have about IVF is that it always works. Yeah. I think all I knew about IVF was that celebrities did it and like old people did it. And like, I guess I didn't really know that much more. Um, 
And I just figured it's the end of the road and it's too bad if you have to do IVF, but at least there's IVF because everyone knows they do something in a lab and then, you know, you can have babies. And that's really not true. Um, the IVF success rate is pretty low. And I was 28 when we started IVF and we were given 60% chance of a live birth if we tried three rounds of IVF. And that's pretty good. That's a pretty good prognosis. That was because of my age, um, which was young at the time. Um, Probably like more like mid thirties when they're going through this and they decide, yeah, we're going to buckle down. And so that's, uh, I had no idea. Yeah. So there's a whole calculator they do based on the age and the, um, the diagnosis, how long you've been trying to get pregnant. And I was seen initially as like a very positive case. And, um, and I think the thing with IVF is that it's so expensive. Um, and you, there's no guarantee. Um, and also the other thing is almost everyone has to do more than one round. So you, and also on the flip side, like, cause I didn't know how prohibitively expensive it was until I was Googling before we had this discussion. I didn't even think about too, like that can't be like easy on your body, like going through rounds of IVF. Right. Cause like, yeah, no, it's terrible injecting stuff so that like, you're um, like uh, releasing more eggs or something like before the egg retrieval, like that seems like that would be a lot. It's a lot. In fact, they've studied the emotional health of people going through IVF and the stress levels are comparable to people going through chemotherapy, um, which is intense. Um, yeah. So it basically your relationship is in a crazy spot, um, because you're going through that, you know, it's been very stressful trying to get pregnant. And then there's a huge imbalance in IVF as there is in pregnancy and childbirth where the man just stands there and does nothing and the everything's <laughs> happening to the woman. And, you know, that was, that was obviously it was hard for me because I was the one, you know, getting poked and prodded in the shots. And it was hard for Chris because he was just like felt helpless and was watching me go through this and like wishing he could take some of it on. And then it's a financial strain. It's an emotional strain. It's a physical strain. Um, it's, it's a lot and it's really invisible. And I think that um, pregnancy is so visible. And mm-hmm. when you're pregnant, people come up to you probably too much, you know, creepily in the grocery store, try to pat you, but everyone is like, you're glowing, you know, it's, it's visible. And when you're trying to get pregnant, no one knows. And, um, you know, if you're going through IVF, there's you know, no one knows. So that's hard. Um, and you know, the, probably the hardest part actually was the first year. So um, the definition of infertility is trying to get pregnant for one year without success. So that whole first year, you're thinking this is going to be it. You know, I feel like um, the sorry state of sex education, you know, at least that I was taught was like, don't make eye contact with a boy or you'll get pregnant, you know, and it was like all about prevention and like your whole life. It's like, oh, like, you try not to get pregnant. And then the minute you're trying to get pregnant, you feel like this should happen. Um, like also like, why was I wasting so much time being so paranoid all these years I was having casual sex? (laughs) Exactly. So you're just like, you know, how is this not happening? Um, and it, the first year was really lonely because we didn't announce ourselves, which is something that some people do that weirds me out. They're like, we're trying for a baby, which is being like, hey, everyone, we're having unprotected sex, just FYI. You know, I'm like, we weren't going to, we weren't those people because it's, it's a lot of 
weird pressure and you don't know if it's going to happen. Um, of right. course, I just you assumed. You don't invite that many more questions. Like, I would think. Yeah. I definitely had people, you know, friends tell me, oh, we're trying to have a baby. And I'm like, oh, I guess I feel special. They told me. But then I feel like, am I supposed to, like, check in and see, like, if it works? Like, at what time? <laughs> are you ovulating today like yeah. tell me about the consistency of your mucus or whatever like yeah. Gross. uh yeah that would be a lot I I can't imagine like I completely my oldest um was a surprise like I don't um I can't even and you did it I mean more than once like at least twice how many rounds did you end up going through yeah. So we started at a clinic in Madison and we had a really bad experience there. Um, they didn't end up diagnosing us with the right thing. And, um, we started IVF there and ended up getting canceled because my body didn't respond. And, um, and then a nurse named Laura, who I will never forgive or forget <laughs> just was like, Oh, you're very, you're never going to be able to get pregnant. Um, and, she was like, you might need a minute to sit with that information. And then she left the room. And then the doctor came in and we told him what happened. And he was like, what? You're like, she really shouldn't have said that. And I'm like, you think? Anyway, yeah. it was just a bad experience. Uh, so then shame we, wherever you are. <laughs> yeah, we and got a... Chris was there with you. Like, yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, we got a second opinion at a clinic in New York City. And we ended up as crazy as it is we ended up going there and we were able to do most of our appointments at a local clinic in Madison and then we just had to fly to New York City for the actual egg retrieval and um, transfer so we were there for a week and um, so the the crazy thing is when we were at the first clinic we told friends and family what we were doing and kind of worn on our sleeve and then it like blew up in our face and went super poorly. And then we were told, you know, you never get pregnant. And so then we took a couple of months and just regrouped. And then when we pursued the new clinic, we didn't tell anyone. So like we went, we went to New York city, no one knew we were there. <laughs> um, and then it worked on the first try. Um, and we didn't tell anyone we were pregnant until I was 17 weeks pregnant. Yeah. And it was definitely like, didn't feel real. And I had like major anxiety. It just, it was, uh, you know, I, I, I thought once I finally got pregnant, if that ever happened, I would be like in a state of bliss. Instead, I was just like, so terrified something would go wrong. Cause it felt like lightning had struck and yeah. it was, I was just like, oh my God, you know? Um, so then we, then we were like, Hey guys, um, remember how IVF didn't work for us Well, we did it again. And then like halfway done being pregnant and everyone was just like, what? <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah. And so I really had hoped that I would feel just grateful that I got to have one baby. Um, that's how Chris felt like we weren't going to have any, and then we got to have one and we should just be happy. Instead, the minute I had her, I literally was like the, the hormones came out and I, I was like, I need to have like a hundred babies. Like <laughs> there will be more babies. And I felt really bad about that because I was so torn. Like I really just wanted to be in the moment with Audrey, who was this miracle baby who was never even supposed to exist, except I also like deeply wanted to do it again. 
Yeah. Um, like, but I, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, and it kind of felt like our, we, we decided to pursue IVF again because we thought let's just like go to the point of failure. Like it worked the first time at our new clinic. And so, you know, maybe it would work again. Of course I would be older, things would be different. Um, so we did decide to try it again and we told people, um, that we were trying again, but the stakes felt so much lower because we already had Audrey. So it kind of felt like it was really intense to jump in again, but also even if it hadn't worked, like we still felt really happy that we had, you know. So how old was Audrey when you decided to go ahead and try for the twins? She was a year old and that was really hard because um, our clinic had told me like, if you ever want to try again, they said, you need to come back three months postpartum. And I was just like, excuse me, three months. No, no, no. And I really wanted to breastfeed her and you can't do IVF when you're breastfeeding for the most part. So I, I said, okay, I'm going to breastfeed her for a year and not think about this. And then a year came up and I didn't, I didn't want a wiener, but I also thought, okay, we got to go back. So we went back. And we did the same thing, the same clinic, and we did around, and I got pregnant. Um, but we had a very early miscarriage, um, so that was that was hard um, because I almost it, it, we almost felt like we wished it just hadn't worked. It was like the worst case scenario because it yeah. was like it was like it did work, but not actually. So we just thought, okay, we got to try again. So we jumped right into another cycle and um, we got three embryos, which is the most we'd ever gotten before. Um, And it's very weird in the clinic in New York City, the way they do things like Chris wasn't there, he couldn't come into the room. And so I'm there like in like my mesh medical undies and like those robes that you're like, why am I even wearing anything? Like this outfit ever, yeah. (laughs) yeah. And those weird like scrub things that go over your feet. This and it's just exactly like <laughs> how I imagine conceiving my children. <laughs> exactly. Very sexy. Um, and the embryologist comes in and like she's uh English isn't her first language, and I couldn't understand her super well. And I think she's telling me there's three, but she only thinks I should transfer two. And I was just like, just put them all in there, whatever. And the doctor came over, he's like, are you sure? Like, and I was like, yeah, whatever. Um, and now I'm just like, oh my God, I could have had triplets. <laughs> um, but, I mean, what's one more? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, it, but that was a weird decision to make by myself. Like Chris yeah. wasn't there. Well, like, did um, you guys even discuss ahead of time? Like, uh, like, I don't like what happens if there are this many? Oh, no, because they don't tell you anything. The clinic is so like bad they're good at like getting you pregnant and they're bad at communication Mm -hmm. and they don't actually know what you have until you get there because they're like maturing the embryos in the lab and they don't want to disturb them because that like I don't know makes them I don't know it's not a good idea and so you basically just get you get there and you're ready to go and that's when they figure out if you even have anything to transfer so like I walked in there not even knowing if we'd have any viable embryos um I just, like always thought about it uh like the opposite because like the people who are like 
really, really ardently pro-life and like still think that IVS F is like happening the way it was happening like decades ago where it was like all of these like lost embryos, you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. And what do you do? And like, what, like, I, so I feel like that's interesting, but like, so three is a lot now. It's not like, it yeah. And my, uh, my issue was, um, really low ovarian reserve. So like basically having way less eggs than I should have for my age. So right. we you're were like, like a amount when you're born, right? Yes, exactly. And so they don't know what happened. Um, but some people, for whatever reason, the quantity goes down faster. Mm-hmm. So my ovaries, they told me were like 45 years old. So my egg quality was good because I was young, but mm-hmm. I just barely had any eggs. Um, so yeah, I, I know what you mean about, I've heard that as a pro-life argument, like what about all the extra discarded embryos? And I'm like, oh, we don't have any extra. Um, yeah, we're just well, trying like, to get any. Reading up on it. And like, uh, it's what my, the impression I got from the little bit of reading I did, like, you're certainly like much better versed in this than I am, but it's like, um, like back when IVF was first getting started, they could only, um, the embryos were only viable for like three days at a time. So they were just like making dozens of them type of thing um and like and freeze them I don't think they were like all just discarded but then it was like and then you had the option you could like donate them for research you could yeah but so I think that that's where a lot of that comes from like I don't think a lot of people understand how much better the technology has gotten now and it's like largely not an issue the science has come a long long way um it's every year it's really amazing the advancements they've made um and that's one of the really weird things about being one of the many millions of people around the world who's had babies through IVF is that we would not have had babies if we'd lived, you know, 50 years ago or, or any other time in history, Yeah, um, which is, is odd. And you wonder, like, how far can the advancements go? I've seen that um, they've actually done uterine transplants. Like sometimes women are born without a uterus or there's a problem and they, there've now been babies born and like transplanted, uh, uteruses, which is super cool. And then I saw too, where they have another one where they're, uh, like taking eggs and they're like deleting like the DNA, but like, and so that like in theory, like two gay men could have a biological child together, um, like inserting their DNA into this, like, it's so crazy. Um, yeah, I don't know where the line is but um I definitely don't think you crossed it your kids like entertain me every week (laughs) there are a lot of ethical questions and like most IVF clinics they publish like the oldest age they're willing to transfer into you know like they'll say we don't transfer into any women um like above age 50 um And because you can do egg donation. And that's one thing that I think is a huge myth. Like I, I love celebrity gossip. It's like my guilty pleasure. So you, you, you notice all these older celebrity women getting pregnant, like Halle Berry had a baby when she was 48. Gina Davis had twins when she was 48. Kelly Preston, when she was like 52. And you're like, oh, wow. Okay. Those are not, they're not using their own eggs. Or if they are, they froze their eggs when they were younger, a long time ago, which they could do because they could afford to, you know, so like rich people, celebrities are doing things (laughs) that we're not seeing, which is like, you know, more power to them. But I feel like it gives kind of a false idea to the average person on the street about like maybe their own biological clock. 
um, where you see like, people having how, kids. Well, and how prohibitively, like, because I mean, I think I read like a, a round of a single round of IVF is like starting at like 20 grand or something. Yeah, it's and insanely like- expensive. And that is something that I didn't understand at all. Um, I, I wish I had written down what I thought about IVF before we started all this. Cause like now I know way too much. So like, I don't remember, you know, what I thought I knew back then, but, um, I didn't realize how expensive it was. And that was a huge issue when we were telling people what was going on is like, people were very ignorant about the financial burden. Mm-hmm. And like, I remember someone being like, Oh, good. Well, good thing. Like get this all submitted to insurance. No, no, no. Insurance does not cover IVF for most people. There uh, are four. Uh, no, not at all. With the exception that there are a number of states that have mandates uh, for some level of fertility coverage, but it's usually pretty modest, like maybe one round of IVF, not mm-hmm. enough to get most people over the finish line, but Wisconsin doesn't have any of that. So we had like, it was a hundred percent out of pocket um, for everything. And so, and it's a huge gamble. And like, you know, on the one hand, like you can't put a price tag on your kids, but like also if you've done IVF, you literally can. <laughs> like, you know, like and also like when this is all over, you also have to provide for the resulting children. Like, yeah, where is the balance? That was a big uh conundrum for us when we were thinking about doing IVF for the twins. It was okay. Okay. We have a child now and we like need to provide for her. So we felt sort of like any money we spent on fertility treatments was kind of like taking money from her. Yeah. Um, and it, it worked out and then, okay, we gave her siblings. I hope she thinks it worked out, but, um, what if it hadn't worked? You know, what if we just spent out that money? And that's the, the position that like a fair amount of people find themselves in and they've, you know, they did a bunch of IVF, they spent a bunch of money and then they're empty handed. And that gets to another thing that people say that it just drives me crazy is, well, why don't you just adopt? Which is just a really like insensitive thing to say to someone. Um, but it also like really diminishes adoption. Like ad- adoption isn't just like, you don't just like go to the baby store and like get a baby. Yeah. Like adoption is a whole thing. It's a complex thing that involves well, a lot adoption of, is you know, great, people. but like, it's like that must, if you're like, struggling with infertility it must just like feel so I would imagine like invalidating of your feelings of yeah like loss I don't know I'm like trying to put myself in those shoes Mm -hmm. um and yeah like that seems like a very flippant um yeah adoption is also super expensive and complicated and also not a sure thing I know people who've tried to adopt and they've never gotten a kid placed with them yeah. I mean, there are no, there are no guarantees when it comes to trying to get pregnant or trying to adopt. So I, a lot of people just say, oh, well, worst case you can adopt. And it's like, that's not the attitude to have about adoption. Like no. this is my worst case. Like if we had, and we were open to adoption, we are open to adoption, but if we had pursued that, it wouldn't have been like our last, or, you know, like a consultation. Okay. It's like you're right. starting it's a family. Surprise. Yeah. And so you can't, you can't just turn around from like spending years trying to have a biological kid to be like, okay, sure. We'll just adopt, you know, that's not really how it works. Yeah. Um, let's do the drive-through version. This is fine. Yeah. yeah. It's silly. Well, so what would you like, if you had a friend who was like currently going through IVF and you had to like give them like one piece of advice or like some words of encouragement that 
aren't like also like detrimental. Like you were saying, like, I know this one person who whatever had sex during Mercury retrograde and (laughs) these crystals and like whatever. Like what like actual like just like straight face thing would you say to that person? I think it's the same things I would say to anyone going through a really hard time. Um which is, you know, I'm so sorry. Um, I'm here for you. I basically think you can't go wrong with saying those things. Um, I definitely found that people, they, they would, they would want to help. It's just like any kind of loss, you know, if someone dies or a relationship ends or whatever, people will say, oh, I wish there was something I could say. Well, of course, there's not something you could say. Like these things happen in life, and they're not like solved by like a platitude in a Hallmark card. Right. <laughs> um, so I just feel like uh, I don't know, just like validating people's you know loss and pain. And I also feel like being really sensitive to all the kind of triggers. Like um, if I knew someone close to me was like struggling with infertility, I would definitely say, Hey, I know baby showers might be hard for you. Like, let me know if you don't want to be invited or let me know if you do want to be invited or just things like that. Um, in your court, like what's going to make you feel. Yeah. That's, I think that's really, that's good. I like that. Also. Yeah. I mean, just anything when people are sensitive to like anything about reproduction, I, I had friends who got accidentally pregnant when I was trying to get pregnant. <laughs> and it's like, it's really hard to receive that, to be like, oh, we, we're like going to all these doctors and spending all this money and like an agony. And you like accidentally forgot to take your birth control pill. And now you're <laughs> Yeah. No, I mean, like I was like on the flip side, like at the time um, I found out I was pregnant with Everly, my oldest, um, we did have my ex-husband, like one of his very best friends, they were like going through, like they'd been trying for like years and years and years to conceive. And it was, um, and I was aware of that. So it's like, yeah, it's like this happy thing, but like, I also don't know how much we're allowed to talk about it. And like, I don't know. I just tried to let them take the lead, um, possible. Like if you want to ask about the pregnancy or any of that stuff, we'll like get into it, but otherwise I'm just going to pretend it's not happening. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, people have different ways of coping I was really a mess when we were trying to get pregnant and I just didn't do well like I didn't want to hear anything about babies or pregnancy I didn't want to see birth announcements or pictures like I just couldn't handle it Mm -hmm. but I know other people who it's really important for them to say to people like I'm happy for you and sad for me and like they don't want to be not included and that kind of stuff yeah like I wasn't like that so it just you know it just depends so I think that just like asking the person, you know, what are you comfortable with or not comfortable with? And it might change. Um, but yeah, it's super hard. It's super isolating and like infertility affects one in six couples and miscarriage is also super common. And I feel like I'm always hearing people say these things and how common it is, but how no one talks about it, Yeah. but it's like, well, then I don't know, talk about it, you know? Yeah. And that's like part of this podcast like the whole like reason we even started it is like hey like all this shit that we're not supposed to talk about like why don't we just do yeah. it so we all realize we're like kind of in the same boat or yeah um oh. Oh, man. this was awesome kelly um thank you so much i probably need to run because i need to go bathe my children and make them go to sleep yeah
bedtime, but I appreciate this so much. And yeah, thanks for chatting. All right. Well, cool. Well, thanks again. I'll keep starting media. (laughs) Sounds good. All right. Have a good night. You too. Bye. Bye. I just like read stories and heard uh, like on the news, like people having to do it. And I always feel so bad because <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, like, you know, some people get pregnant, like just like that. And then these other women have to go through this. Yeah. Like, no, I mean, like, and you and I both like um, our first kids were surprises. So I was really excited. Um, and really glad that Kelly joined us and that she brought just like a perspective that a different perspective. Yeah. Like I couldn't. Um, so really good stuff. So thank you, Kelly. We love you. You're funny and smart and your kids are adorable. <laughs> wrap it up. But I know you had a question from like a single dad. Should we cover that before we got uh, our go? We can't. So he wanted to know he's a single dad dating. How much do you spend on presents? Is monetary value a metric of how invested someone is in the relationship? So you said he's single, but I met this is like for a partner gift for a partner. Well, I mean, he's just said that he's dated. So I've said like, I think that it depends on how long you've been dating. He's like, assume that it's like less than six months, but like you're seeing each other exclusively. So my thought was that uh, you make it something consumable. So like a bottle of booze or baked goods or something. So it's like thoughtful and you put in effort, but it's not like creepy amount of investment. Like I know somebody who like, she'd been on like three dates with a guy and he got her like a bunch of Tiffany's jewelry and stuff for Christmas. And I'm like, "Eh, red flag. Yeah, that's trying too hard. But like, I don't, I, I don't ever go off like monetary value. I'm more like, well, cause maybe this is like a gender thing too, where I'm, I'm like more thought, I like thoughtful gifts. Yeah. Um, but I also don't think just under six months isn't significant. Like, I don't know. I mean, Greg and I dated, I think a few months and he got me, um, for the holiday, just like a, a necklace. And I think it had just like my initial on it or something that, I mean, that was years ago, um, from a boutique that I liked, uh, and then one time he went to, he went on a trip with, uh, for a family trip and he came back and he got me like a necklace with like, it was like a key on it, uh, at, the, at this place for, in Pittsburgh, you know, that I'd never been to. So I think, yeah, and those were not extending like thousands of dollars. Yeah. So. It's just like, it's not, I mean, I'm sure they were like 20 bucks or something, 25 bucks. Uh, I mean, you, know, you want to go up to like 50, like it's something like decent Kendra Scott or whatever, but like, yeah. You should not be getting diamond encrusted anything. No. And I, yeah, not like a ring, but I would say like, yeah, like boutiques have I think nice jewelry that's not outlandishly expensive or like yeah like you said or flowers I don't I guess it depends on what the person likes because I'm not into flowers so it's like don't give me flowers um some women love them yeah no um I'm not a huge fan um yeah I'll tolerate them I guess um but perspective well, I mean, guys are harder to shop for. So I'm always thinking from like the girl's perspective of like, oh, I'll bake them some cookies or I'll get them booze or I'll whatever. Yeah. Every list of like gift ideas for men this Christmas, it's like they're written by people who have never met men before in their life or something. Or like <laughs> men are like, they like to barbecue and golf and that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or like lotions or, um, you know, even like my oh. friend got me the Xanax candle, like oh, which is amazing. True. I like the Xanax like, candle, but I hate the like the Bath and Body Works gift baskets. And like, it's like I oh. am particular about my skincare and my fragrance. And like, don't get me that. Don't shit. fuck with that. Yeah, like don't buy somebody perfume unless you absolutely know their scent. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that cliche stuff. I hate gift like the baskets that are already prepackaged and stuff. Like, 
This was really thoughtful. Yeah, exactly. I actually, I, I usually, when I get those, I stash them in my closet so that I can re-gift them. Re-gift them. <laughs> or like yeah. if it's like an office Christmas exchange or something I don't really want to deal with. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. So I guess it depends on what her interests are, her likes, but yeah. Or like do an experience, like tickets to a concert that you guys can go to together. Or, or a cooking or- class. Yeah, like something like that, because it's like, it's something you can do together and it's really thoughtful, but it's also not like, you know, here's this keepsake that you have to keep forever. Like, right. Um, Cause that can, that can get kind of weird. Yeah. I, like, I, no, like, I like the experience. Greg and I do. <laughs> what that? Oh, is it like every time I go through a breakup, it's like, which stuff do I throw away and which stuff yeah. should I keep? Because it's actually cool. And like, just too much pressure six months in. Right. No, the experience one's good. I like those. Like I got Greg a cooking class. And I think uh, one time we did like dance lessons or something. Um, But with the pandemic, who knows what's available? Well, and also like, no, you're like, if somebody got me dance lessons, I would immediately just ghost them and be like, never speak to me again. (laughs) So hopefully you've had some conversations with this person and you're able to gauge. Yeah. You know what they like. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Like I would be like that weird girl. Like somebody would like, if I like ever got like a public proposal or something, I would just like kick the guy in the nuts and run or something. Like, oh, yeah. not my style. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, I have, no. I have some like real deal breakers. <laughs> um, also, this is going to be the longest episode we have ever posted. And I think that it's episode 20. So this is fitting to be our season one finale. It's so, the finale. Finale. Yeah. Thank you all for listening through season one. Um, and I think we're going to we- like. What's up? Well, we, we started this, I'm trying to think back, like, I mean, we're in 2022 now, which just seems like part two of 2020. I mean, it's just like it's fucking depressing, but we started this in the pandemic, during the pandemic. And yeah, so, we did. yeah. Uh, Mother's Day. So I yeah. mean, like maybe we like take a brief hiatus and like, uh, we fine tune so we can make season two even better. And like, let's shoot for Mother's Day as our season two premiere. Sounds good. I, All right. Yeah. So, okay. I appreciate it. I will let you know. All right. Love you. Have love you. Bye. Bye.